Welcome to week three of the Beyond Limits class. And I'm Jason. I'm super glad that you're all here tonight. Each week does play off of the week before. And so if you've not seen week one or two, if you've not watched or listened, be sure and go and check that out at thesourcewichita.com slash beyond dash limits. And so you can listen to the audio. Uh, we also have, I, I'm just this guy. I made a podcast called Beyond Limits. And so you can look that up on Apple Podcast or Google Play or wherever you might listen to podcast and listen to the audio from the previous classes and all the classes or uh, find the uh, the videos also there on our website. And then also the videos are being uploaded to Christine Smith's YouTube page if you want to go back and check those out. And if you haven't already, be sure and download the notes for this week. And uh, those are also available on the website. And I put a link in the chat here in uh, in our Zoom call. So uh, tonight we're talking about heavenly resources for fulfilling this mission of Yahweh in our lives. And so uh, the Lord, he, as we talk about week one and week two, so just a real quick recap, the Lord is revealing himself to mankind. This has always been his desire is for people to be in relationship with him, a deep, intimate love relationship with him. And then when he does that and reveals himself to us, he also uh, invites us to partner into mission with him. So as Jesus taught us to pray, as it, uh, your will on earth as it is in heaven. And so we can seek the heart of the Father and we can see what those that will is for us, those details. Scripture tells us that we were created uh, for good works in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the earth. So the Lord had a plan all along and uh, and he wants to reveal that to us. And so we talked about getting blueprints and those details about living out that mission here on earth uh, as it is in heaven. And so in addition to the Lord giving us these blueprints, it's not as though he leaves us on our own to go and just figure out how to make these things happen or to do it out of our own strength. The Lord, he gives us all of the resources of heaven, all of the resources of the kingdom to be able to fulfill our mission on earth. Um, so my wife's name is Kimberly, and what I really love about her name is that it means of the king's forest or of the royal forest. And so even her name uh, kind of insinuates this gathering up of kingdom resources to be able to build the kingdom. And so the Lord makes all of these resources available to us, and in, uh, in, there are different things that he has for us in his kingdom to be able to go and build. If you think about Nehemiah, who rebuilt the wall, he went to the king and he asked if he could utilize the wood from the forest, right? The Kimberly, <laughs> uh, the wood from the forest to uh, to rebuild the wall. And so he went and asked the king, hey, I've got, I, you've given me a heart to rebuild this wall. Uh, you know, the Lord gave him the heart to rebuild the wall. And so then he was shown favor with the king to be able to have the resources to do it. And so we'll talk a little bit about that um, tonight. So I believe that the number one resource from heaven to fulfill destiny in us and through us is the Spirit of God. He's He's so good to send His Spirit to live with us. Jesus said that He would not leave us as orphans. He said that He must go and that He would send 
the Holy Spirit, who would be a comforter, a counselor, a guide. Um, he would be power, and he would be our power to be a witness. He would show us things to come. Um, the Spirit plays a massive role in the life of the Christian, obviously. But if we look at Ephesians 3.20, which is kind of our foundational verse for the entire Beyond Limits class, uh, we look back and, and it says, Now to him who's able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine, and how does he do that? By means of his power that works in us. And so we know that that power in us is Holy Spirit, as Jesus promised. And so tonight we'll talk uh, about the Ruach HaKodesh, or that is the set apart or the Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit is in us and empowers us to move forward and uh, be able to do what the Lord has mandated us to do and shown us through these details, these blueprints as we seek his face and uh, discern his will for us. And so John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. And so... Uh, number one, when we are entered into that relationship with Yahweh, um, he sends Holy Spirit to come and live in us. And that act of being reborn, becoming a new creation, that kainos creation, which means completely new, not just a polished up old us, but a brand new creature, a brand, uh, yeah, brand new being, a brand new entity by the, his spirit in us that empowers us to do all kinds of things. And, you know, I've heard it, I've heard it said one time. That, you know, Christians, we, we really have this much power, but we tend to only tap in to that much power of the Spirit. And I think oftentimes that's true. Um, Beyond Limits is, is hopefully something that we can grasp so that we can see the potential of what the Spirit can do in us and do through us. And so I, I really love this verse in John 3, 5. Not only are we born of the Spirit now and empowered, but the scripture talks about the, the wind blowing where it wishes and you hear it sound and you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. I just, I kind of really love this because Jesus is saying, Hey, look, when you're born of the spirit, like people aren't really going to be able to know what's going on with you. You're just going to kind of be this person that, that is kind of all over the place, right? Like from the outside looking in, it looks like you're all over the place and you're, you just can't really get a grasp on what's happening with people um, when they're born of the Spirit. But if if we know our Lord, he's a, he's, he's a God of order. And so he's moving us by his Spirit. But I think this was kind of a testament to the religious figures of the time. Like, hey, look, you know, you guys wish that you could get a grip on me because you don't like what I'm doing and what I'm saying. And because I'm completely turning your idea of the kingdom of God upside down. I'm completely rewriting the narrative of who Yahweh is and what the kingdom is like and what the spirit of God in a person and somebody born of the spirit, what they're capable of. And the religious people aren't going to like it. And I just have to say that right now that um, people uh, sometimes 
aren't going to be happy with the things that the Spirit of God is leading you to do, right? They're going to want to try and control that and say, well, where's that biblical? And how, you know, I've never heard that or seen that. And, oh, that was just revelation to you. And and you're going to be doing things and saying things. And the religious people are just going to be like, no, I don't know. I don't know about that. But I just love what Jesus says here. Like, hey, you know, you're born again, and you're just going to see this, this kind of wild, free thing happen with people who are born of the Spirit. And I just love that. Um, Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So Yahweh sends Holy Spirit to make us reborn into a kainos creation, and it empowers us to be able to be led by His Spirit so that we are seen as children of God. So last week we talked about Jesus saying, I only do what I see the Father do, which means he's being led by the Father. And as we are led by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, we are being led by Yahweh, moving and breathing and having our being in him. And it says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so um, scripture says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit that is a promise of our inheritance because we are sons of God. And so um, John 16, 7 talks about, uh, starting in verse 7, John 16, starting in verse 7, and we'll go through verse 15. Um, it talks about truth in the Spirit, and I, and I just really love these scriptures. So it says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. So just right out of the gate, a lot of people like to talk about, oh, I wish I was around when Jesus was around. I wish I could walk with him and talk with him and, and watch him perform miracles and water to wine and raise the, the dead and heal the sick and, you know, like go toe to toe with the Pharisees in a theological battle, right? Like people, I wish I could have seen that. I wish I could have experienced that. And Jesus is saying, you know, it's better, it's to your advantage that I've gone away at this point. Um, but he's telling the disciples, the truth is it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that is the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, when Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And then he goes on to say, I still have much more to tell you, but you cannot handle it just now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will tell you. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everyone that the father has is mine. And for this reason, I said, the Ruach, or the, the, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, will take from what is mine and declare it to you. So there's all sorts of wonderful things in this scripture um, that I like to kind of bring up. So number one, as the Lord has given us mandates, he, he's, he said, hey, I've created you for good works in Christ Jesus. You're going to be conformed into the image of, of my son. And you're going to do my will on earth as it is in heaven. We get to partner in that. But then he says, so I'm going to send the spirit of truth to live in you, 
Um, and here's some of the things that the Spirit is going to accomplish. So get this. The Spirit, He, Holy Spirit, will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. So when we partner in this mission, this ministry with Yahweh, it is not our responsibility to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus is saying right here, like, the Spirit will do that. Now, the Lord will lead us and guide us to say things and do things, but when it comes to convicting the world of sin and telling the world what is righteousness and telling the world what they need to know about judgment, it's the Spirit of Yahweh that is doing this. And so all of the responsibility is taken off of us to make sure that people get it, right? Like we all want people to get it. Like if I could just get it through their thick skull or if I could just say it in a way that they'll understand it. You know, when Jesus was teaching and preaching on the earth, he would say, he who has ears, let him hear. And then he would begin to speak in parables and he would explain all this stuff. And he's like, if they get it, they get it because the spirit will reveal it to them. And if they don't, well, then they don't. And so I just kind of feel like for us, number one, as we journey this earth and we're in relationship with Yahweh, we're doing mission, we're doing ministry, we could take that burden of convincing and convicting people and the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. I think that was more of, you know, he's saying, hey, the Spirit's going to come, the Spirit's going to come. And here's what he's going to do. And I think in that moment, the disciples may have realized that there was a burden lifted from them. And what Jesus was doing is he was kind of putting them in their lane and saying, here's your responsibility and here's the responsibility of the Spirit of God. I find that super freeing to know that I don't have to convince anybody of anything. That as I partner with the work of Yahweh, the Spirit of God is already going forth and doing what the Father is wanting the Spirit to be doing. And so he says this, um, I still have much more to tell you, but you cannot handle it just now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So let's just get this straight. Jesus spent his life on earth and there were a bunch of things that he said. We have a lot of his words recorded in scripture. We also know that there are things that he said and did that we don't have recorded in scripture because one of the writers of scripture said that if we were to write down everything that Jesus did while he was on earth, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. So why would... If it was so important, all the things that Jesus said while he was on earth, and the only way for us to get them was to have them written down, why weren't they written down for us? Well, because Jesus basically said, look, I have a lot more things to say to you, and you can't bear them now, but I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to speak to you the things that I desire for you to hear, and that... The things that the Spirit gets comes from the Father, and the Spirit is only going to say what the Father is saying. His words will not be His own. So literally, when the Spirit 
in us, Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, the wind, the breath of God, is communicating us to in our to us to our inner man or to our spirit, right? Communion between spirit and spirit. When that communication's happening, literally the God of the universe, creator God, Yahweh, is communicating and speaking to us by his spirit, the things that he desires to say to us that aren't always recorded in scripture. Again, Jesus said, I have a lot to say to you. So there are things that he ended up saying to the disciples that we don't get in scripture, right? And if I, I guess if it was so important for us to know those things, or if the only way that we were ever ever able to receive those words was to have them written down, I think they would have been written down. But I think Jesus is saying here, the Spirit is going to come and indwell within you, and you'll be able to have communion with the Father. So the things that you need to hear for your mission, for your life, for your mandate, for your blueprints, for your your process, for everything that the Lord wants to do in you and everything He wants to do through you, He has sent the Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, His breath, His Spirit in us, to guide us into all truth and to hear his voice. And so again, it's not as though the Lord invites us into relationship, gives us these things that we're to do, gives us some details about how to go do them, and then is just silent. And then we just get to go figure it out on our own. This is not the God that we serve. He is he is continually speaking and leading and guiding us. And not only is he telling us things we need to know, the Spirit of God is working to show us of things to come. Like that's even mind-blowing. Have you ever had have you ever had dreams? Like, let me tell you a story. I remember when I was like 25, maybe, and I was dating a girl who was going on mission trips to Africa. She was going to Cameroon and they had gone one year and I really wanted to go. And while they were gone, I had this dream. And in this dream, I was driving down this road. It was a dirt road and there were all these puddles with water in them. Like it had rained and I was riding in a vehicle and there was somebody driving and I didn't know who it was, but I could see through the windshield and it was so bumpy. We were like bumping up and down. And I remember so vividly this dream and I woke up and I wrote it down. I was keeping a dream journal at that point in time. And when my girlfriend at that time came back, I told her and her friend about it. And they were like, oh, that's Africa. That's Africa. And I was like, well, I'm supposed to go to Africa. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, And so I ended up not going to Africa, but then I moved to Wichita because the Lord called me to move here. And I did that in 2010, originally from Houston, Texas. So I moved to Wichita. I'm here for a couple months. I'm in church planting, helping start a location of an existing church. We're gathering a launch team. I'm meeting people. I'm making friends. We're in the basement of my friend's house where he rented and we're worshiping. And so we're just all kind of like laid out on the floor, laying on the couch, kneeling, and we're worshiping the Lord. And one of my friends says, hey, stop the music. And I'm like, why? We're worshiping. Why are you interrupting my worshiping? This is nonsense. Like, what's so important? 
And he's like, bro, he's like, I don't know. This is so weird. I don't ever do this, but I have to show you something. And I'm like, okay. And I was like pretty weirded out and a little annoyed that, you know, he's interrupting this worship night and I'm like trying to connect with the Lord. And um, he's like, we we have to go. He's like, it's, it's a little ways away. It was like 30 or 45 minutes away outside of Wichita. And to this day, I still don't even know where that place is. I'll have to ask him, but he basically... We're driving down this road and we go into this, um, into the woods. And then he takes me down to this river and the Lord starts kind of prophesying to him, giving me a word about the river and, you know, how it, it, over time it cuts through and it's the flow of the water that, you know, expands the, the banks of the river and just the power of God. And, and it was, it was winter. And so the trees didn't have leaves. And he's telling me about how they look dead now, but in season, they'll give forth its leaves and its fruit and, you know, really ministering to my spirit. I'm like, this is really good. This is really encouraging. So we get back in the vehicle. Uh, I just, I just also have to say, I barely knew this guy and he drove me out into the woods in the middle of the night. So anyways, kind of funny, but we get back in the vehicle, we get back on the road and I'm in the vehicle and I have my eyes closed and I'm just saying, okay, Lord, I'll, you know, whatever you want to show me, whatever else you want to say, whatever you want me, want me to see or know. And I open my eyes and I realize that the scene that I'm seeing through the windshield is the exact dream that I had. And the reason there were puddles of water is because it had snowed and the snow was melting onto the dirt road and forming puddles. And sure enough, I, we're bumping up and down because we're driving through puddles and the water's splashing and I'm not driving and I look over and just all of a sudden the Lord shows me that image and I'm like, I've seen this before. I've totally seen this before. I had a dream about this. Holy crap. I'm actually seeing a dream that I had in real life right now. This is the craziest thing I've ever experienced. But when I read the scripture and Jesus is saying, the spirit will show you things to come. He gives visions. He gives dreams. Joel, Peter quotes Joel in Acts 2, day of Pentecost. This is exactly what Yahweh promised would happen. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people and they'll have dreams and they'll have visions. And guess what? As I was obedient to what the Lord wanted me to do and I was going where he wanted me to go, he showed me that I was exactly where I needed to be by the spirit confirming where I was, but also three years prior showing me things to come. And so I just love, I just love that, that he's so good to do that. He's so good to show us what's to come, but he's also so good to give us visions and dreams and speak to us by his spirit, continue that communication to lead us and guide us and encourage us in those moments where maybe we need to be lifted up and built up. <clears throat> and so after that, I kind of made it a habit to say, Lord, speak to me in my dreams. If this is the way that you speak, let's do it. Hallelujah. I want to hear your voice. I want to see the things to come. I want to be encouraged. I want to, you know, like, let's do this. That's awesome. That's supernatural dreaming. Like, yeah, let's do that. You know, like, however you want to lead me and guide me in that. Let's do that. I get excited about it. Um, so then again, uh, declaring to you things that are to come. Um and just that last verse again, verse 15, everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said the Ruach, the Spirit, will take from what is mine and declare it to you. So we already kind of uh, hit on this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. But you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh has come upon you. 
And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and through all Judea and Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. And so we know that we'll have power by the Spirit. Um, and we'll be led by the Spirit. Kind of already hit on that, but let's just look at Acts 16, verse 6 through 10. And when they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and they went, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So just right there in these couple of verses, we are seeing Jesus' promise that the Spirit would lead and guide people um, and show, tell them things and show them things to come. We see right there that the disciples, as they're trying to go into these different places, that the Holy Spirit is stopping them from going certain places and leading them to go other places. And so I 100% believe that we can hear specific directions on places to go and things to do by the Spirit of God. Yes, there are generic kind of mandates and commands that the Lord has given his people to love your neighbor and to, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength and, and to feed the poor and to heal the sick and, and to cast out demons and to do all of these things. These are generic commands, but we see that he also leads people specifically and he will lead people to very specific geographical locations. You guys have, uh, or we have Christine Smith on the class with us. And if you all know her, she and my wife and a couple of other ladies have been led to go to South Africa. Um, and when they pressed in and asked the spirit, what should we do? Where should we go? He specifically showed them South Africa. And so they have gone there with specific missions, uh, mandates, and even blueprints to know what to do and how to partner with the mission there. And so I 100% believe that the Lord is still leading and guiding people. And so this is just so like, you know, again, this is like breaking limits because there's some people who want to put limits on what God is still doing and what God is still saying. And so they'll be like, well, you could really just go anywhere and God will do that. Or you, you know, he's always going to, it doesn't matter your geographical location. Yes. The spirit of God's always going to be with us doing things in us. But if he has a very specific mandate, uh, a specific mission for you to go somewhere, I believe that he'll reveal that. And so, um, when people say, Hey, I'm, I feel led to go to South Africa. Or I feel led to go to India. Um, I believe that's the Lord 100%. And so in addition to all of that, the Spirit of God continuing to be our primary resource from heaven to empower us, to lead us and guide us. Um, but also just real quick, we'll touch on gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit of God in us, the Ruach HaKodesh, empowers us to be able to act and do and say and perform things that we wouldn't be able to do on our own. It's a gift. It's not anything that's out of our power. It's his power. And he decides who gets what gift and when that's going to be used. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but they're all given to believers by the same spirit. So there are different ways to serve, but they all come from the Lord. There are different ways the spirit works, but the same God is working in all these ways and in all these people. So number one, we have to 
trust the Lord that the work that he is doing, just because we've not seen that work happen in our own lives or through us, doesn't mean that it's not the Spirit of God at work in a believer. We tend to box him in with what's possible, right? This is the way God works. Well, there are different ways the Spirit works is what Scripture says, but it's the same God working in all these ways in all the people. And so we need to trust the work that the Spirit is doing in others and the work he's doing in us and not box ourselves in with the kind of work that he's doing. The Holy Spirit's given to each of us in a special way. That is for the good of all. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. To others, he gives the power to do miracles. To others, he gives the ability to prophesy. So on and so forth. The last part of that scripture, all the gifts are produced by one and the same Spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. Who decides who gets what's, what gift and how the Spirit works in people? Yahweh decides. It's trust. And so I think that's one of the major things that we have to do. And, and that's why relationship is so important with other believers is that when we're growing in relationship with others and we know their heart for the Lord, we know their love for the Lord, we then can trust the Spirit of God in them. I had a, a friend who was a mentor and a leader in my life, and I used I often used to say to him, thank you so much for trusting me with this ministry. And he would say, I don't trust you, I trust the Spirit in you. And I just remember that phrase um, to this day, and I just have to tell myself sometimes, like, I have to trust the Spirit of God in people. If they truly are of the Lord, they've been sealed and marked with the Spirit, their sons and you know, the living God, like I often say, we have to let God parent his own children. <laughs> we have to trust that he is working things out in them. And even if they don't see flaws or pride or downfall or whatever it is, even if we don't see those things or they don't see those things, it doesn't mean that the Lord isn't going to lead them to see those things. And so I just think that's worth saying. So the number one resource from heaven that we get to be able to fulfill this mission on earth as it is in heaven is the Spirit of God living in us, um, doing a work in us, but then doing something through us, empowering us to be a witness, to do his works, to do greater things than Yahweh, or excuse me, than Jesus did when he was on earth, uh, to hear the voice of God, to connect to the heart of God, uh, to prophesy to heal, to give words of wisdom, to give words of knowledge, to serve, to teach, to do all of these things. Um, but then also the second part of tonight, and I'll kind of have to run through this, was one of my favorite things to talk about are uh, angels because Yahweh has an angelic host at his service and he commands this angelic host to go forth into the earth to serve those who are being uh who are inheriting salvation and we'll look at that scripture here in just a minute but i uh i put together this well i didn't put together i found this list called an angel's facts list and uh, i just thought there were some interesting things that we can learn about angels in the scriptures and so I'll go ahead and paste that, and you guys can look at that later. It's also in your PDF. You'll have to copy and paste that to your to your browser. 
Um, but just to do a real quick read over some of the things uh, that we see angels doing in Scripture. But I want to point out just a couple of uh, specific instances of the way that the Lord has used angels to assist and aid those who know him and are on his mission on earth. And so we'll start in the Old Testament and we'll look a little bit in the New Testament. But uh, in Judges chapter 6, verse 19 through 23, we see that an angel speaks to Gideon. And so it says, Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot. And he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. Verse 20, and the angel of God said to him, hold on, wait a second. Angels are talking to humans. You can't talk to angels. Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> it's right here. Just saying. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. So the angel came and gave very specific instruction. And so let's continue. Uh, Daniel 8, 15 through 19, an angel explains a vision to Daniel. So Daniel says, When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, and it called Gabriel, Make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened, and I fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and made me stand up. He said, behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. So Daniel's getting some end time prophecy. He got a vision. He, he So he sees something. And then he says he sought to understand it. So in his in his heart and his mind, he said, I would really like to know what this vision means. And so all of a sudden there stood before him one having the appearance of man. And the man's voice said, uh, it called to Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So Yahweh manifests and looks like a man somehow, whatever the appearance of a man, what, however he decided to manifest in that moment, and then speaks and commands Gabriel, one of his angels, one of his messengers, one of his servants, to help Daniel to understand the vision. So we see an angel of God being commanded to speak to a man of God who's received a vision from God and help him understand and gain insight into the vision that he's seen. Now, Christine, I don't know if maybe you've ever done this, and I know that I haven't, but I've actually never thought to ask an angel to help me understand a vision that God's given me. Now, I know that the Lord commanded the angel to help him, but if we see that that is a role that has been established as something that's been done before, what would make us say that it can't happen again? So just a little something to chew on for me. So the angel comes near to where he stood. Daniel falls on his face, and then he says to me, understand. And so he begins to speak to him, and give him revelation about the meaning of the vision. And then after he had spoken, so we see an angel speaking, and then he says he fell asleep, uh, fell into a deep sleep with the face on the ground, uh, but then he touched me and made me stand up. So not only do we have an angel speaking 
to this individual who's trying to understand a vision, but then the angel reaches out and breaks the spiritual barrier into the physical and touches Daniel and makes him stand up. So like, if we're just talking about what's possible here with angelic interaction within the, the earth, this spiritual breaking through of a, of an angelic created spiritual non-body being breaking through into the physical and then interacting with man through speech and touch. Let's just talk about what's possible, right? That's, that's kind of where I want to go. I'm not dictating what experiences are supposed to be like, but I am saying, Hey, let's really think about what is possible. So revelation one, one through three, the revelation of Yeshua, the Messiah, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Again, the spirit showing people what is to come. Jesus said it. The spirit's doing it. We have proof in the scriptures after Jesus ascended, even into Revelation. The entire book is the spirit of God showing man things that are to come. We have a whole book about it. So... um. It says, he made it known. So how did the revelation come? By sending his angel to his servant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Yeshua, the Messiah, to everything he saw. How fortunate is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and those who hear and keep what has been written in it. For the time is near. So the angel came and led John through this vision showing him, taking him to the heavenly realm and allowing him to see and understand the things that God wanted him to see and understand. Again, I pose the question, what is possible? Matthew 1.20, an angel speaks to Joseph about the birth of Jesus. So even we get in the story of Jesus coming to earth, being born of a virgin as a child, there was angelic assistance in this entire story of Jesus coming to earth. But as soon as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So the spirit of God gives dreams and visions, but then even the angels of God can manifest in our dreams and speak to us in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So just skipping down to verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. So angels are commanding people what to do based on what the Lord wants them to hear that the Lord desires to do, right? So. Luke chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. This is one of my favorite ones also. Angels visit the shepherds announcing the birth of Jesus. So again, more angelic assistance and inclusion in this entire story, this entire narrative of Jesus coming to earth. Luke 2, 13 through 16. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, 
The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So what I love about this is just a, a small detail that we get where it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven. So number one, where did they come from? Out of heaven, because they had to go back into heaven. But again, there's this idea of this, like this space where the fabric of spirit tears into physical and beings are manifested into earth and able to be seen and heard. And again, this is like, so, so this is a different instance than what Joseph experienced. Joseph was, had an angel visit him in a dream. But then we see that the shepherds had the angels visit them right where they were. And it was a heavenly host praising and speaking. And then they go back into heaven out of the place that they came. And I just love that idea of this portal, right? Of angels coming up and down. And Jesus talked about that, right? You get Jacob who's out in this place and he had this vision of angels ascending and descending on this ladder, Jacob's ladder, this portal where there is a rift between or a, a, a very intentional space or place where the angelic manifest into earth and then return back to where they came from. And then Jesus said, surely you will see uh, the son of man also ascending and descending, right? So he confirms it. And so, uh, Christine, I know that you've seen some of these portals, right? Like there's this, these spaces. I mean, it's in the scriptures, y'all. Like either we decide to say that's something that happened and is continuing to happen or we just reject it. Like, oh, uh, you know, I just, I love it. I love it. Acts 5, 17 through 21, an angel leads the apostle, uh, apostles out of jail. So then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles. They put them in jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. So again, we get this, this angel, this spirit being who then shows up, gets into the prison and opens doors. So the spirit, Spiritual affects the physical in such a way that the, the physical, this matter, this mass is moved and affected, right? Daniel was touched and then he was made to stand up. The, the doors of the jail were opened by the hand of a spirit being angel. He says, so go and stand in the temple courts and tell all the people about his uh, new life, this new life. And at daybreak, they entered the courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. So the angel affected the physical and then helped the apostles to be let out. Again, we see this with an angel leading Peter out of jail, Acts 12, 6 through 11. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the sail. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. So again, boom, Spirit interacting with physical. I just thought that I'd like to high five an angel, just if that's that's an, a thing we can do. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. So again, we get physical interaction. We get speaking. The angel gives instruction, put on your clothes and your sandals. Peter listens. He says, wrap your cloak and follow me. So the angel um, led him out of prison. 
really cool stuff. So to kind of nail down this angelic assistance that we get from heaven, Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits or spirit-serving spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And so scripture tells us right here that all of the angelic hosts are at God's command to assist, to minister to, and to serve those who are inheriting salvation. Jesus in the wilderness, 40-day fast, the angels came and they tended to him, right? So um, sorry, I lost my place. So yes, will we grasp and understand that the Lord will use angels to intervene, to bring us messages, to, to explain visions, to, I mean, help lead people out of places, to fight battles, to do all these different things. I mean, again, what is possible? And just lastly, I won't spend too much time on this, but uh, we talked a little bit about it with getting heavenly visions. So being able to, the, this resource that we get from heaven is we get these visions from the spirit that allow us to see and know and understand. So we get to hear the voice of God. We get to experience his power. We get to have the gifts, but we also get to see by the spirit as well. Um, so one of my favorite stories in scripture is here in 2 Kings 6, 15 through 18. So when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against them, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness and according to the prayer of Elisha. So here's a really interesting situation. These two in, or these individuals are coming up against what is a, a very real and imminent physical threat. But the faith of Elisha, knowing and being able to see what was happening in the spirit and having a, a, a supernatural understanding of what was taking place beyond the veil of the physical in the spirit, was able to see that and trust what was happening behind the curtain. And then he prayed that the young man would see and he saw this army of God that was ready to take out this very physical and imminent threat. And so that just goes to show so much about not allowing, we live by faith, not by sight. So not allowing these things, our eyeballs to dictate what we know and trust, right? To not trust that everything that we see in the physical is reality. Our, our circumstances in the physical are not reality. We can always inquire of the Lord and say, look, I know there's something going on behind the scenes. Open my eyes, open their eyes, press in, see, look and see what the Lord is doing. Look and see in the heavenly realm and the spirit realm that Yahweh is on our side and that he is commanding angelic armies to take out 
and protect us and to take out those very physical and imminent threats. I love that. Isaiah 6, 1 through 4, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings that covered their faces, with two that covered their feet, and with two they're flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At that sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And so we see that Isaiah was given a vision into the heavenly realm at the throne of Yahweh with angels and doorposts and smoke and glory and all of this stuff taking place. And it served a purpose as he stood there in this place before Yahweh. Yahweh asked the question, who will go? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And so then Yahweh speaks to him there, gives him a mandate. And Isaiah goes and he does it. Revelation 4, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had an appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. We get John getting a heavenly vision and experience seeing what is happening in the heavenly realm. So the the veil of the physical torn back to see into the spirit supernatural of what is actually happening. This isn't just some symbolic whatever or another. Like, what do we think God's doing? Where do we think he is? If he created this, listen, <laughs> if he created this earth, and we're just one little tiny man. And we can't even, like, there's no way that any human can step foot on, physically step foot on every square foot of this earth because it's so grand. And the earth is a footstool to the Lord. Like, oh, let me just put my, let me kick back and put my heels up on the earth. That's how grand I am. And if the Lord created all the heavens and all of the universes. Like, what do we think exists out there? Nothing. It's just all black nothingness. The Lord has, by his spirit, sorry, I'm getting salty. The Lord, by his spirit, all throughout scripture, has revealed this heavenly place and all of these supernatural things that are happening to different individuals, getting a different image and a different picture of what's happening. And let me just tell you that, like, we get this little image of the heavenly realm in the scripture. But let me tell you, it's kind of like the Christian, we have all this power, but we use this much. There is all of this to infinity, eternity past and eternity future, this much of what Yahweh has created. And I mean, I believe he's still showing it to people. How, I mean, what he's just like, I have all this beautiful stuff, but it's, it's not for anybody's eyes to see. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of absurd. So first Kings 22, 19 through 20. Um, real quick, um, and he said, hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramith Gilead. And one said on this manner and another said on that manner. So again, we get somebody having this vision of the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right side and on his left. So I just, based on all of that, like 
what is possible? What is what is God doing? You know, what are the limits that we've placed on him on angelic intervention, assistance, servitude, like, or being able to speak and hear and see and understand and, and see beyond the veil and realize that there are these places and these spaces where the spirit is is manifesting into the physical and that even like here in the midst of us, the kingdom of God is inside of us and that we can we can look and we can see the kingdom within us and we can interact with the Father by a spirit. Scripture says that we have the mind of Christ. And if you were to have my mind, you would perceive the things that I perceive. And so can we not, as we interact with that mind, then perceive the things that God is perceiving? Can we not see through his eyes? Can we not see through his heart? Can we not see his will? Can we not understand everything that's happening behind the curtain? I think that we absolutely can. And I think God wants to expand our faith to be able to say, yes, Lord. I I taught this class a couple months ago, and this was one of my favorite weeks. And I'm more excited this week than I was a couple of months ago about this topic. And so even as I'm talking about it again, the Lord's given me more faith and more faith for it. And so I just pray that you guys would also have that faith to, to be, I mean, just Lord, open our eyes, right? Like, like Elisha prayed for the young servant to have his eyes open so that he might see, Lord, I pray for all of us to be able to see. Lord, show us, lead us and guide us the things that we need to see, lead us and guide us to the things that we need to hear. God, give us, God, I pray for a, a, a resurfacing just kind of a churning. Just, it just, I'm just kind of seeing these waters like stirring and kind of rumbling like that you want to have these dreams and visions and revelations just kind of well up from within us again, God, that we would believe that it's not something that makes us more spiritually um, better than anybody, but that we just desire to say yes to whatever you have for us, God, even those visions, those dreams, the seeing and the understanding of what you want us to see and know and hear and experience. And then also just understanding that you command an angelic host and they are at your service to do and say the things that you wish for them to do and say. And so help us to just faith more into that as we continue to live out uh, our mandates and our blueprints and our call on earth. And as we continue to seek deep, intimate relationship with you, Father. So, amen. 